in our society, we're taught to go big or go home or that you have to be at a certain point in your life to be considered successful. Use each moment with as much passion and fervor as you can. Mm -hmm. Life's too short to kind of just let other people live or, you know, write your story for you. Welcome back to the show. I can't tell you how excited I am to share this episode. I think if you are someone who has ever questioned, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I spending my life and hours that I work, am I spending it doing the things that I'm meant to do that are right for me? Then this is the episode you're going to want to listen to. I had Lan Fan on. Lan uh, is someone who had what she calls her dream job at Fortune Magazine. And then at the beginning of COVID, she got laid off. Her husband also got laid off. And she was left to figure out, am I doing what I'm meant to do in life? What we talk about is the process she went through to get herself to determine what she was meant to do with her life. And she now is coming out with a book that helps other people figure out the same thing. The book will be out April 2nd. It's called Do This Daily, The Secrets to Finding Success, Happiness, and Purpose at Work and Life. Land shares the process she went through to determine what she was meant to do And now she's built this amazing community, which is almost a half a million people, and helps them understand how to figure out their purpose and have the right mindset to achieve what they want to and to feel good about themselves and feel like they are contributing. We talk about what she calls the four secrets, and that is part of the process to figuring out what you want to be doing in life. It is never too late to figure this out and to make a change in your life. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Lan as much as I enjoyed having it. So Lan, yes, you and I have known each other and been connected for a while. I have been down the rabbit hole on your content. You've built a very large following on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I think what I can tell is that it's been consistent, smart, relatable content. Mm -hmm. But how did you build this massive following on LinkedIn? It was probably the beginning of the pandemic. I had just got laid off of Fortune magazine, Mm -hmm. fell into this depression. And it was really my daughter just saying, mommy, I love you even without a job that Mm -hmm. pulled me out of that deep depression. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was playing the victim mode. Mm -hmm. What I ended up doing was starting my own company. I just woke up and I'm like, let me post something on LinkedIn. I started posting as my company at Community of Seven. Mm-hmm. I felt most comfortable on LinkedIn rather than other social platforms. I started with quotes in terms of and talking about specific things that I was kind of going through. I built that to over like 250,000. I always kind of identified that I don't like to be public facing, more of the behind the scenes person creating companies. And so I started posting on myself, Lan Fan on LinkedIn, and also Facebook. And I grew that to where it's at right now, which is close to 120,000. Mm-hmm. One of my core values is being a person of others. Mm-hmm. And I was can I help others during this period where mm-hmm. we're on lockdown and 
there's not a lot of positive resources for free training. Having climbed the corporate ladder, executive training is really expensive mm-hmm. and eliminates a majority of people. So my aha moment was how what if I can kind of give thought leadership in these bite-sized content pieces? I launched our microlearning series, which is really corporate training, but for the masses. Mm-hmm. Being able to take what you know and what you the insights that you've gathered over time and through your experiences and making that available to people broadly yeah. is just is it's in service to others and it's filling a need that people have because they cannot if they either can't afford or they can't find one-on-one support. Okay. And now you've got a new book coming out. Well, do this talk about the book. Do this daily secrets to finding success, happiness, and purpose at work and life. So, what is the book about? So, it's really the core secrets to finding success, happiness, and purpose in life. I'm actually releasing it on April 2nd, which is a very important day for me because it was four years when I got laid off from Fortune magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, I had wow, got four years to the day. Yes, four years. I wanted to reclaim that day because that Mm -hmm. day was probably one of the most painful days of my adult life. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments where I wanted to reclaim it to make it something that was positive and uplifting. And I don't want to think about the fact that I got laid off. I want to think about the fact that I released this book and I hopefully can help people who mm-hmm. who end up reading it. But mm-hmm. the story behind it was, you know, I've been trying to search for meaning and my reason for being in purpose. So even though I was, as I kind of climbed the corporate ladder, I had all of the trappings of what success looked like. I had the title, I had the pay, but concealed all of this was the ugly truth of what, that I was unhappy. And so you know, I was working from like till 10, 11 o'clock at night, every night. I said my family was the most important thing to me, but I barely saw them. I would mm-hmm. maybe saw them on the weekends. And on the weekends, I was too tired to be present for them. Mm-hmm. And I was, like I said, I was traveling 85% of the time. I was barely home. I was diagnosed with pre-diabetes because I was not taking care of my health. I was sleeping maybe four or five hours a night. And when I got laid off, I had to actually stop and pause. And I started asking myself questions I'd never asked before. What mattered most to me? I think I was living other people's um, definition of success, other people's definition of happiness. And, you know, in the past, I would find a profession because it had a specific title or a specific pay, and my ego was tied to it. And Mm -hmm. I I would build that profession and hopefully build my life around it. But Mm -hmm. what inevitably happened is that my life would be kind of pushed outside because work would kind of consume everything. And so I decided to make that shift when the layoff happened to create a life that was worth living first, Mm. my profession around it. And it seems Mm -hmm. like such a simple paradigm shift, but it made a difference. And so when I first started Community of Seven, I, I really wasn't sure what I was building. I was just posting every day and I, I grew that community there. And like in total now between Community of Seven and me, we reach about 500,000 people. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote the book, when 
I first started community of seven, it was really a group of masterminds that I would have like CEO, executives, thought leaders together. And we would go through this whole kind of one year journey in terms of really finding their purpose, building their business. What are the values they're trying to bring into work? Mm -hmm. And so I did that for probably over a year going on two years and it was successful, but I realized it wasn't what I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on helping more people. Mm -hmm. I basically took those ideas in that training for those that I had originally charged thousands of dollars for. Mm -hmm. And I started doing these free micro learnings and let's talks. And then this book is that culmination of what of what those four secrets are in terms of how to build a life worth living. And I can't tell you how many women tell me that they just, they start a career and then they look back 10, 15 plus years later and they're like, I'm here, but am I happy? And, and I think this idea of creating a life worth living, we don't get taught that in school. Nowhere along the way do they teach you the skills required to think about what it is that is meaning and and just that way of thinking. How do I find something that supports my values? What are my values? How do I support something that is consistent with those values and then go and pursue it? If you're not able to ask yourself or answer that question of what brings you joy, how do you expect to get there? No one teaches you how to be happy. Mm-hmm. No one teaches you how to love. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Those are all actions. Mm-hmm. We think that love will come to us. Happiness will come to us. That amazing career will come to us if we work hard and do these things that people tell us will lead to success. But all, but what we need to do is we need to become, and I want to read you one page from the book. Fake it till you make it is empty advice. Instead, we become by doing. Becoming requires that we start before we are ready. That's how we become. Don't fake it till you make it. Do it daily until you become it. And that notion of action is so important. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of break it down, the book is divided into four pivotal chapters. I call them secrets. They're not secrets because you should all know this. I'm here to remind you of these things that are already in your heart. But the first one is really about being able to answer what matters most to you and really creating those your core values that are guiding you as your North Star. Because it's not just important to know what's important to you, what, what, what you value. It's important to actually live it. The second part is really about that our mindset creates our destiny. And I always think of Henry Ford's quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's this notion of the belief of, you know, the belief in yourself, the belief that you 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 can accomplish everything that you want mm-hmm. through, through skill, through time. And it's really about betting on yourself. Number three is really about change requires consistency. And mm-hmm. it's about fits and systems. No one is born confident. Yeah. We gain confidence confidence through mastery by doing, by starting before we were were ready, by failing over and over again. Mm -hmm. This society where Mm -hmm. people are afraid to fail and because they're afraid to fail, they don't grow. 
Right. Well, and and I just want to say, I think our organizations, the corporate organizations, like the big companies, and they they really feed into that because you don't want to be seen as something that you've done is a failure because that is a mark on your record, right? So even if something fails, you have to kind of spin it so that it's not a failure. So and and be, I think between that and then how we grow up in school where yeah. failure is seen as this horrible thing, right? Yeah. Think about it. We yeah. are, we, we, you know, till you get dumped out into the, into the working world, you have learned all throughout that time in your education that failure is terrible. Failure is fatal, right? It, the way we are taught through our education system is not consistent with the reality of living a life that allows you to take risks and allows you to find those things that really will fulfill you. Yeah. And I think it, it definitely is changing, it, which is in a positive way. And, you know, the HP study, we've all heard of it, where women or men will apply for a job if they have 60% of the qualifications, but women wait till they have 100%. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you wait till you have 100%, you're probably overqualified for that job, right? Right. right. So it's like that whole stretch goal. So this whole notion of like, how do we kind of raise our, our children, our daughters to be more brave rather than perfect. And I think of also Sarah Blakely's example that she always talks about the founder of Spanx about how her father would have all of the kids around the dining room table and have them each talk about their daily failure and they Mm -hmm. applaud them. Yeah. she had this mindset of she never was afraid of failure because she realized that that was part of growing and learning. Yes. I think we need to kind of instill that in our our kids, but also Mm -hmm. in the corporate world, innovation requires that you take risks. Innovate requires that you constantly move beyond your comfort zone and and that you move into the growth zone. And that requires failing. So failure is not an endpoint. Failure is a process that's required in order to innovate. I think too, though, that what's happening is that we are seeing, people are seeing that that failure is part of the process. And and one of the things though, that I wanted to touch upon that you said with point number one, secret number one, which is about really determining what matters to you. I was thinking about the fact that we frequently are so focused on the goal, mm-hmm. right, and the outcome that we forget to take in and enjoy the journey, mm-hmm. right? And I think these two things can are somewhat connected because I think that's why sometimes we get to that goal, and even if we got the goal that we wanted, we move it. We're <laughs> we're like, what? Like, what just happened? And yeah. you don't you don't focus on that journey. And I I do, I do think that that's shifting. I think there's a lot more conversation too around like enjoying that journey as you go. And, and, and if there's a failure, you incorporate that as part of the journey and you move forward because some of the best things that we all learn, and even if it takes you 10 or 15 times, Okay, that's part of the process. So I know I I cut you off before the fourth. What is the fourth? And the fourth is really about change 
is really about changing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when I oh when I always say when I say it, I'm always like, duh. I mean, of course. <laughs> but I think we make change so complicated. Yeah. But change really just is really. I always say change is simple. It's yeah. not necessarily easy. Yeah. There's only two ways to change, mm-hmm. and it's what you add in your life and what you take away. So I think the goal in life is to kind of chisel away what we are not. Mm-hmm. Chisel away the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, the, you know, the doubt, the surrounding yourself with toxic people, right? Yeah. Um, working for toxic leaders or toxic environments. And then adding in, you know, for me, I'm I'm a, a giver. You know, I always say there's givers and takers in the world. Mm-hmm. One of the big shifts for me was surrounding myself with givers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't surround myself with takers. If I have a taker in my life, sometimes they're there, but they're in the back seat, right? Mm-hmm. So chiseling things and then adding things, you know, I didn't have health or well-being as one of my top values, but my family is the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so my daughter's is going to be turning 10 this year. I want to be there for her wedding. I want to be there when she becomes a mother and yeah. that I want to become a grandmother. Yeah. So in order for me to do that, mm-hmm. I have to take care of my health. Yeah. It's not one of my values, but I wake up and I exercise and I try to sleep enough. I try to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those were practices that I thought were selfish. Well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for, and my thing is, you know, if you are not there physically and mentally, if your cup does not runneth over, mm-hmm. how can you expect to help other people? Yeah. You need to make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first before you can help anyone else. Yeah. Why? Because you can't help anyone if you're not breathing. Yeah. You know, what you're saying resonates so much with me, Lam, because I had an aha moment um, a few years ago related to taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, and 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 also speaking not as positively about myself as I could. Well, I have two daughters. Mm-hmm. And I realized that what I was doing was teaching them. That it was unimportant to take care of yourself and that it's okay to speak badly about yourself. Mm -hmm. And the second I had that like realization that this wasn't just about what I was doing to myself, which of course is not a positive thing, Mm -hmm. but that it was going to be a legacy that I was leaving to my daughters, I I literally, I remember having a conversation with someone and the realization washed over me and I was like, that's, that's what I needed. I needed to understand it in that context that I was going to be basically creating another generation of women that have that same loop that was not productive. You needed to break generational curses, right? And part of that is you realized that your daughters are watching you. Mm-hmm. Everything they, everything you do and say. Mm-hmm. And I remember this time I was in the breakfast table with my daughter Morgan, and she, you know, I was just kind of looking absently just out the door, and she was like, "Mom, I know what you're thinking." I was like, "What am I thinking?" 
and I was, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe she's going to think, say something really like nice. Like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it made me realize that Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I was constantly exhausted and tired. And that's what she saw as a mother. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not something to be proud of. Right. And I realized that I was just always just so focused on working and not taking care of my health that it impacted me being present for my daughter. Yeah. And so I realized that I had to change that. A small change, but that you do kind of seeing progress over time compounds and really does. I mean, you, you don't even need a year. I know that, you know, that some people are, can, are say to say that you can change a habit in 30 days. And if you think about that, that's not a long time horizon. Yeah, it's I mean, just about doing something slightly different and making that change and seeing progress. I think progress is that that key. It is. Over time, seeing progress. Change doesn't happen in these like once in a lifetime, you know, go big, go home kind of moments. Mm-hmm. It happens in the daily decisions that we make every day. Yeah, The decision to live authentically, to live our mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. to be kind. Yeah. And eventually those add up to those life transformations. But I think the, the, the problem is that in our society, we're taught to go big or go home or that you have to be at a certain point in your life to be considered successful. Yeah. And I, I say your, your life is too short. Yeah. The average person lives 77 years. Mm-hmm. Of that, we spend maybe 26 years sleeping. We spend 10 years at work, 11 years on social media. Mm. And, you know, that leaves just really 22 years to live our lives and to mm. change dreams. Mm. And not all of us are even afforded those 22 years, right? Yeah. So use each moment with as much passion and fervor as you can. Mm. Because life's too short to kind of just let other people live or, you know, write your story for you. That's such great insight. And it's a great place to end. Lan, if people want to follow you and learn more about the book, which is coming out April 2nd, what is the best way for them to do that? So my book website is lan, L-A-N-P-H-A-N dot C-O dot C-O. And they can find me on communityofseven.com. Also follow me on LinkedIn and also Instagram. It's lanfanc 7 I'm also on Facebook as well. So you can find me anywhere. Oh, and also my YouTube channel. <laughs> well, Lan, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I learned so much. I took so many notes. So I'm, I'm hopeful that people will take so much away from this conversation as I did. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.